interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Well, good afternoon, morning, whatever time it is for you. Uh, I'm Grace's dad, Scott Shera, and you have tuned in to Deep Programming with Grace's dad. If you've been watching for a while, you know that I always share something new about Grace. And normally I do that first, but I'm going to introduce our guest first because he is the one who motivated what I'm going to play about Grace today, the video that I'm going to play. So... This man needs no introduction. He is a very special guest, Dr. Artis. So welcome, Dr. Artis. God, it's great to be here and in loving memory of Grace. Thank you for letting me uh, participate in this interview. Oh, you're very welcome. So I just want to read what Dr. Artis humbly wrote about himself, and then I'll tell you why I picked the clip that I picked that we'll play next. So he wrote, in early 2020, I lost my father-in-law because of ill-advised hospital pro protocols. Since that time, I have been on a mission to help educate the public about the dangers to Americans in the many of our institutes of health, in quotes. I am passionate about, ex passionate about exposing corruption in the medical system and the powers that be in this country. My focus is on medical freedom, education, and waking up the world with the truth, uh, which that, of course, is what I have found. Today is our eighth show, uh, we've covered some intense topics so far. I, I have a topic to start with with Dr. Artis today. I have no idea where this is all going to go. But what the reason I, I picked the video of Grace is because Grace showed love. And Dr. Artis showed that love to me when I was a perfect stranger to him. And he welcomed me. And it was hard for me to grasp because... You know, I knew of him, of course, I became awake after Grace died. I knew of him and to have somebody of his um, stature welcome me the way he did just reminds me of Grace's love. So, Don, will you play the clip of Grace playing the violin? So if you don't recognize that song, that is, I can't help falling in love with you. And uh, Grace was a major Elvis Presley fan, and she was asked to play that song. And when she's playing it, this is at my daughter Jessica's wedding. 
and she just did a, a great job. She had a way about her. So the thing that I, I, I'd like to explain is how she would show love where you wouldn't expect it. So she, um, my wife had said that, you know, Grace, I don't think would deal very well with all this, this uh, boys becoming girls and girls becoming boys and all of that. And I disagree. I think Grace would have shown love to the people that we have a hard time understanding where are they even coming from. And she would just innocently go up to them and say, you know, that's not God's way. And it would be so natural and loving that nobody would be offended. So anyway, that's uh, Dr. Artist motivated that clip today. So thank you for that. So Grace's death started the, the as you have heard me say, the Santa Claus effect in me. So what I mean is that I've been lied to. And now that I've been lied to, I can't stop researching what is going on. And the programming that I bought into cost Grace her life. And I don't want her death to be in vain. So we're going to jump in with the first topic. Of course, everybody is going to want an update, which I do too, on the, the snake venom research. And we'll cover that, I promise. But uh, I do want to cover programming first. And the question I have is how do they implement this vaccine narrative? And I want to start with a clip and then get Dr. Artis's comment. So this clip, so we're going to talk about the narrative that they're promoting. So the programming that they're promoting on multiple fronts. The first front is how do they deal with the man on the street? And so I want to play the clip of um, the commentary regarding Damar Hamlin, who is from the Buffalo Bills. Probably everybody's heard this now, but I just want to play this clip. It's only 20 some seconds long and and get Dr. Artis's comment. So go ahead, Don. What we just witnessed tonight is one of the most rare things we can see in sports medicine. As Damar Hamlin went down with what appeared to be cardiac arrest, after taking this hit on the field. Welcome back everybody, I'm Dr. Brian Suter and on this channel I try to teach you about the sports medicine world and give you some insight into what we see on the field. What we saw happen tonight is not related to any sort of vaccines. This is almost certainly something called commotio cordis, an extremely, extremely rare condition that's one of those things that we typically only think we're going to read about in textbooks. So I want to just give you my couple of comments and then turn Dr. Artis loose. So first of all, that posting was done within one hour of the injury. Second of all, that posting is on YouTube. So of course, it's acceptable on YouTube because the starting point of the video says it's not related to vaccines, which my comment, of course, is I don't care if it's related to vaccines or not, but why do you automatically discount vaccines? Shouldn't we open it up to figure out what really happened? Isn't that more important than instantly putting the the onus on something other than vaccines? That video got 7.4 million hits in the first 12 hours. And when I see it, it gives me the impression that it was on the shelf ready to go. It's It's too perfect. And it just was, it, it really bothers me. So Dr. Artis, let her rip. What do you think? Yeah, that's a, a great point. Actually, lots of people yesterday reached out to me to ask my opinion and wanted me to talk on uh, Damar Hamlin's injury and uh, going down in the football game against the Bengals. I actually was watching it live and 
I was disgusted and I was moved and I actually cried. I actually had tears flowing down my face because I felt horrible for all the grown men standing there who see this guy as their brother and teammate, not knowing what to do, watching his life uh, escape from his body only to attempt to be restored through CPR. I mean, it was one thing to listen to all the people on ESPN and everybody talking in the media. Every sportscaster kept saying he's having a hard time breathing. They only do CPR when your heart stops. I mean, th this means you died and your heart's not beating. They are actually compressing you, not to help you breathe. It's actually to get your heart to jumpstart back to work. So they're trying to, they literally have to break your ribs to do CPR to actually compress the heart. That's how intense uh, of a medical intervention they were watching in front of them. And it is horrific. And yes, I've watched tons of football games. I'm a huge New Orleans Saints fan. All my families are from New Orleans, my parents, both of them. So I've watched football for a long time. Never have I ever seen that. None of us have ever seen that. I will tell you this morning, I got a text that says Damar Hamlin received his latest booster shot within one week. He actually received it on December 26th of 2022. So that's within one week of getting that last booster shot. Now, I do get the fact that this is on YouTube, made it 7.4 7 million views overnight. It looks like it might have been pre-planned, pre-orchestrated. Even the attempt to try to explain the narrative uh, visually in the media. But I have to tell you, there's tons of research I've already looked into. I've had Peter McCullough in studio with me a year ago. And we talked about the impact of myocarditis, which is a published side effect of the COVID-19 shots. And the impact of leading to cardiac arrest from a surge of adrenaline. This is exactly what we talked about in our show a year ago. So at what point in your life as a football player would you experience the most adrenaline, do you think? How about when you're trying to stop somebody running at you as fast as they can, trying to run through you to tackle you? Could that have possibly done it? Yes. Do we know that's what did it? No. Is it pretty disgusting that there's censorship that doesn't allow us to discuss the possibility even or the possible causation that there might be a heart problem preceding the trauma? Uh, that occurred on the football field. Yes, you should be open to discussing this. Yes, all things should be on the table. Yes, they should be evaluating this kid for myocarditis. They should be doing that. Look for scarring, look for injury or death of cardiomyocytes. That is a published side effect of the COVID-19 vaccines, particularly the mRNA vaccine. So if he received a Pfizer or Moderna shot, which he most likely did, unfortunately, those are the most common ones being distributed, then yes, this could be a direct correlation to previous trauma from COVID-19 shots. It could be. And then the surge of adrenaline absolutely could cause a heart attack and cardiac arrest with an injured heart muscle. Yes, it is possible. Yes, it is extremely sad. And, uh, and yes, I've been following this very closely, actually, watching it in the media, what they're reporting, watching what the family's reporting. And it's just egregious, horrific. I'm very sad for the family. And most of all, uh, Scott, you know, you and I both lost very close loved ones. And we even talked before we started this recording that uh, the holidays are very hard when you've lost someone you're close to. My father-in-law was taken from our family and I loved him like my own dad. Uh, he was taken from me in February of 2020. It's been three years of this horrific uh, loss. And I, and you know, with your own daughter, uh, how horrific it has been and emotional it has been. Imagine now what the Hamlin family is dealing with. Uh, it's got to be yeah. horrific to, yeah to know that their son has reached what they appear to be a pinnacle of his career 
and his motivation since childhood, I'm sure, to play in the NFL and to do the one thing he loves, which is to stop the other athlete as a defender, only to have that kind of activity possibly be implicated in ending his life, uh, which is a very real possibility at this moment while he's in critical care. So my deepest thoughts, prayers, go out to the Hamlin family. Yes, it should be allowed to be an open discussion. It should be considered there of this kid for myocarditis previous to the injury and the scarring of the cardiovascular muscle would be very indicative of the possibility and the probability that the COVID-19 shots weakened or injured his heart that would have made any kind of trauma that would have increased the adrenaline. I wouldn't be surprised if adrenaline was already kicking up in preparation for the game and the hype of the game. And I don't know, and I haven't seen any reports where he was saying he had trouble breathing, but what if he did before the injury? Who knows? Uh, I can only imagine walking into a stadium, a surge of adrenaline would be uh, something that would automatically flood through my body with excitement to get ready for for uh, a sporting activity such as football. So it is a very, bad, very, very sad thing. And, yes, that's exactly what I would do if I was the family. I would be taking blood samples and preserving those. I mean, that's just what I would be doing. I would take cerebral spinal fluid, tap. I would take a spinal tap, and I would keep it. And then I would get a blood draw, and I would store it. And I would keep that for myself. Uh, for all for all intended purposes for valuations in the future. It isn't normal. Notice the entire sporting world's reacting. They've never seen anything like this before. I mean, they've seen race car drivers die. They've seen people die, but never, never, ever in football. Not from yeah. a, not from a condition like was just explained by that medical professional. He just played a clip from. Uh, I would be looking at myocarditis and the trauma from hormone impact, flooding the heart's uh, reaction. So what what I introduced this topic with the idea of we're programmed and you know so the how are they how are they going to keep this narrative going so you're probably familiar with the fact I've shared it multiple times that on the one year anniversary of Grace's death the public health emergency which was the one year anniversary was October 13th of 2022 the public health emergency was re up for another 90 days at that time the vaccine was not on the childhood vaccination schedule. I shouldn't even call it a vaccine, but regardless, the it wasn't on the childhood vaccination schedule. So they had to have that public health emergency re-upped to provide immunity from liability. Well, the two other legs of the stool are the PrEP Act immunity from liability for the hospitals who kill people like your father-in-law, like Grace. And then the bonus systems that are being paid, which are still being paid today to hospitals to follow NIH protocols. So if they don't re-up the public health emergency, which they can't just keep doing this. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. You know, eventually they're going to stop this, but they've got to keep this narrative going. So this type of thing keeps the narrative going. I want to just read something because this one is so near and dear to you. You probably uh, reduced a lot of people's income because they were relying on the income from the overrides from remdesivir because God, you, were, you were on this early on so my wife just sent me this uh, this was from nbc news dated december 2029 20, so this was just five days six days ago um so we already know remdesivir has been relabeled veclori because you know they have to, you know people get wise to one thing, they just change the name, but then they came out with Paxlovid 
And now they're, the newest one is called VV116. And it says specifically in the news heading, VV116 is similar to the antiviral remdesivir, which the Food and Drug Administration has approved as an IV infusion. So I'd like to use the phrase, you can't make this up. So I, I'd like your comment because, I mean, this idea of remdesivir, is this only known in our echo chamber? You know, they keep reinventing it and it's still killing people. So what are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's pretty disgusting that they'll, they'll use the same tricks, the same propaganda to shift uh, blame or view or awareness of what's going on. Uh, this is not nothing new for the pharmaceutical industry. It's pretty disgusting, actually. Uh, so remdesivir, obviously, we know Veclery, if they're calling it by name Veclery now, like in the hospitals, which they could be doing, Veclery all along has been the brand name for remdesivir. It always had two names, a generic name remdesivir and the uh, brand name Veclery. Uh, so I know there's, they're talking about that now. It's being spread around that they've changed the name. It was always that name. And in fact, every single document I showed, it talks about remdesivir slash Veclery. And the reason why I made sure the world knew the world the word remdesivir is because that's the word they're saying in the hospitals. So when they were telling you, what are you about to give me? Or what are you going to give me for COVID? The nurses, the medical doctors, uh, they were trained that it was remdesivir. So that's what they were saying. If they have now, if they're having pushback in every hospital around the world, which I know they're having, yes, they would actually tell their nurses. Yes, they would tell their doctors, the administrators of the hospitals. And there would be instruction from the government heads like the CDC, the FDA, to make sure people are getting this thing into the veins of other people, they would actually tell them to call it Veclery. Don't call it remdesivir uh, or call it a COVID medication. I mean, they're going to do anything they can to not say remdesivir because it's got such a horrible connotation. And I'll tell you one of the reasons I am aware it's not just in our sphere of influence that people are aware of remdesivir's dangers. Scott, two months ago, I actually was on the LA Times newspaper online. There was an article of two wives who were suing independently of anything I'm aware of. They were suing two hospitals in uh, Los Angeles for administering remdesivir and leading to the death, they believed, of their husbands when they did not consent to it. In the LA Times article, it mentions nothing about me. It mentions nothing about uh, anything I've ever said that's ever been revealed about remdesivir or Gilead. What it says, the journalist writes, who is not inside of our movement or sphere of influence, the, the actual journalist wrote, remdesivir, otherwise known as, in quotes, run death is near, has <laughs> been a very controversial drug. And this is why these two women were suing these hospitals. And Scott, I got so excited. I was like, this, <laughs> this has gone far beyond what we think is being controlled and contained. There's no way they're containing all of this. It is reaching a lot of people. They are successful in blinding and keeping people blinded to the truth, but they're not protecting all of them. So we're getting this information out, which is great. Yes, they would change the terminology and make sure people knew just the brand name as Veclery. They could easily do that. That's fine. I just want everybody to know, if you hear the word Veclery, all they did was transpose two letters, the L and the K. If you actually transpose them back in their correct order, it reads Valkyrie. And I don't know if y'all know this, but Valkyrie is an old Nordic term, which means chooser of the slain. That's exactly what its definition is. 
of the term Valkyrie. Now, I want you to know they've transposed that. And if you don't know that, go look up the history of the word Valkyrie. Uh, there are actually planes that cannot be detected by radar that we have created in the military. Guess what they're called? They're called Val Valkyrie. <laughs> it's called the Valkyrie jet. No one can see it. No one can find it. But it is a weapon of deception and deceit that no one can see that ends with death. <clears throat> so this is a very common term. And people know what they're doing. They know what they're saying. So this is not uncommon or new. I know they're doing this. Wow. That was uh, that's a piece of of, uh, of minutia that is fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. All right, I want to switch gears uh, again, but still in this in this business of programming, and I I want to. So now we we got done talking about how they're programming the average Joe walking on the street relative to the vaccine, but they're also you know they created a culture of us believing in white coats, but then they they program and threaten the, the white coats. So I want to read something um, <clears throat> by Dr. Bruce Dooley. So he, he has been exposing the Federation of State Medical Boards and the Federation of State Medical Boards is a national United States not-for-profit and it represents 71 state medical and osteopathic boards in the United States and territories and co-sponsors the United States medical licensing examination. So he writes, during the past two and a half years, virtually every doctor in the West who dared to question the official COVID narrative by raising doubts about the jab, by discussing natural immunity, individualized treatment, informed consent, and by questioning dr draconian mandates and restrictions, those doctors found themselves under attack by their local medical authorities. So this seems unbelievable. So anyway, there's a, a clip here for about two minutes I want to play and then get your comments about the programming that's being done um, of the white coats. All right, Don, can you play that second clip, please? I have never met a doctor uh, when I bring up the Federation of State Medical Boards who knows what I'm talking about. Who is this federation? What, what, how they've been around for a hundred some years and I don't know anything about them as a, as a physician. It was shocking. It was, um, to me, what I witnessed was uh, beyond anything I thought that could ever be. I think we're talking about the medical councils of the world have been captured by the federation. We should not be allowing a private corporation to be influencing medical councils like this. If we stand by and we let the Medical Council of New Zealand incorporate this into their uh, policies and procedures, that that will be the final gag on anything that a doctor says counter to the mainstream narrative. Doctors were saying, we want to be free to practice what we want without being attacked by our medical boards. One of the reasons that I'm here and I'm stepping out now is because we're very, we're getting to a point where doctors are not allowed to talk unless they talk about the mainstream narrative. And this is called um, misinformation and disinformation. And this is really concerning me because now it's coming apparently to New Zealand, and we have to stop it.
And Vioxx, that story is unbelievable. Merck that makes Vioxx, who actually makes most of your childhood vaccines, was busted in court, had to pay out over $3 billion in damages for having murdered over 50,000 American citizens. And what did we discover in that court case? That they knew that their drug caused heart attacks. And when we looked at the emails that were being transferred between the people working at Merck, we found out that they had a memo that says any doctor that questions the safety of Vioxx, we will hunt them down and destroy them where they live. Okay, Dr. Artis, the floor is yours. What do you think about that clip and the programming of the medical field? Yeah, the, the, the programming of the medical field is uh, out of this world insane. To me, it is a massive cult, no different than every successful religious destructive cult you've ever read about, watched documentaries on. The way that they articulate information, the way they control the information, the way they control and handle their medical professionals in my opinion, is no is no different than how you see the most destructive cults in the world manage uh, their audiences and their uh, congregations. And this is actually something I've been very vocal about since about August of 2020. I constantly, on the interviews worldwide, will always say to people, the use of masks, the instructions of social distancing, the avoidance of families, and the, the term anti-vaxxers, like to avoid the anti-vaccine agenda. Don't talk to people in the anti-vaccine movement. Even the term anti-vax, that, that is an entire cult narrative and terminology. All they're using is propaganda and cult-like tactics to keep you from trusting other people and only trust them. They want to turn your trust and faith against your own family members, your own spouses, your own bosses, your own grandchildren. They want you doubting and only trusting them. And then don't trust anybody else. In fact, don't even stand close to them. Cover your face. You can't protect anybody else out there. They're, uh, they're a liability and they're a risk to your life and safety, which is all a flat out lie. It's all disgusting to me. And then no different than Jim Jones instructing all of his individuals at Jonestown to volunteer themselves and their children to drink poison-laced Kool-Aid and all kill each other instead of getting caught. I mean, what do you think the whole world's doing right now? Half of the world's volunteered themselves for an experimental poison that they were told they should get to prevent themselves from being hurt by other people uh, in the world who are not getting the vaccine. So, yes, programming is very deep. The Vioxx story is well documented. I've known about that for years. Uh, what was interesting was Vioxx and Celebrex at the same time were actually being investigated the same way. And somehow Vioxx got taken off the market, but Celebrex which was just as guilty, still remains on the market today and is being prescribed. But it has the same cardiac arrest risks and heart attack risk as Vioxx. So to me, it's all very disgusting. And uh, the lobbying powers of the pharmaceutical industry in our government is what controls it all. Can I give you an example of programming of our uh, medical professionals? Absolutely. Let me give you an example of programming medical doctors in their institutions called medical schools and seminars. So if you actually ask a medical doctor, the majority of 100% of them, if you ask them right now if parasites exist in America, you know what they're told to medical schools? 
parasites do not exist in America. Those are just in third world countries or underdeveloped countries. They don't exist here. Uh, so that's what they will say. That's what they've been taught. I have actually evaluated patients for 20 years in my practices in both Tennessee and Texas. And 75%, Scott, of every autoimmune disease case from diabetes to even multiple sclerosis, uh, fibromyalgia, lupus, rosacea, all of them were caused by parasites. And it took two to three months of parasitic detox to remove it all. But those patients were already diagnosed with medical autoimmune conditions and were already seeing medical professionals. When they were going back for their evaluations after first meeting me, the patients, when they would go back to their rheumatologist or their medical specialist, they would ask them, is there anything that's changed since the last time I saw you? It's a very normal, typical question. Right, right. And they would go like this. Yes, there is something different. I'm actually seeing this chiropractor named Dr. Artis. Uh, he's actually got me on a parasite detox. He said uh, he did an evaluation and said that I have uh, parasites that are causing inflammation and pain throughout my body. And this could be the cause for my put in the fill in the blank. And then the medical doctors every single time would say this to their faces. Um, what did that chiropractor tell you? <laughs> he said there were parasites in my body. Um, you shouldn't listen to him and not trust him. This is what I said. You should not trust Dr. Artis. Now, I've heard this for 20 years. You shouldn't trust Dr. Artis. And they'd go, why? And they'd go, because parasites don't exist in America. They're only in third world countries. And this is not a joke, Scott. The fact that a grown human, I don't even care if you're a medical doctor or not, could actually say that out loud. Even if they think it, you ever thought something dumb and then you realize maybe you shouldn't articulate that thought. It sounds really dumb now that I'm thinking it. The fact this never crosses their mind is out of this world incredible to me. This is when the pompous and arrogance overrides uh, logic and common sense. Because this is what I would say. This is not a joke. This is how far the programming goes. And this is just one example. While I'm explaining this, Scott, if I actually told you to go to the cdc.gov's website and in their search tab, just type parasite, the word parasites. <laughs> it will pull up on the CDC's site that 90 million Americans currently have parasites causing diseases and symptoms. That's what it says on the CDC. That's almost a third of Americans they admit they know have parasites. The oh, most yeah. common parasite in America is called protozoa. What is funny is that the CDC has it on their website. The medical doctors are in medical schools coming out and then telling people parasites don't exist in this country. But you have another agency telling you a third of America we know has parasites. But these people, these medical doctors would say out loud to my patients, don't trust Dr. Artis. Parasites don't exist in America. And this is what I would say to the patient. Like they would call me or come in so disturbed because, Scott, they don't know who to trust now. Do they trust the guy in the white coat? Or do they trust the alternative guy who's saying, um, I think you have something no one's acknowledged yet. And if we get rid of that, your pain's going to disappear. So I provided them hope. They have no hope over here by the medical profession. And they really don't know which one to trust. So they call me or come in and see me. And this is exactly what I would say, Scott. This is how you deprogram people. People, I'd go like this. I would never make them feel bad. I would never make the medical doctor feel bad. I'd go like this. Well, when the doc medical doctor said that to you, that parasites don't exist in America, what did you say? Like, what did you say? And they'd go, I didn't know what to say. I, I didn't know whether to question him. I didn't want him to feel bad that I was questioning him and I have more faith in you. But I decided I'd come to you and ask your thoughts. And then I'd go like this. 
well, do you think parasites live in America? And they'd go, I don't know. This is what they'd say. I don't know. And I'd go like this. Are you sure you don't know? Yeah, I'm sure. I, I really don't know. And then I'd go like this. This is how you deprogram people with common sense. I'd go like this. Well, have you ever had a dog or a cat? In America? And have you ever taken your dog or cat that you've owned in America to a veterinarian? <laughs> yes. What's the first thing your veterinarian has always tested your animal for? And they go, heartworms. And I go, what's a heartworm? Parasites. Yeah, it's a right. parasite. Did you not look at your doctor and go like this? Uh, what, have you never owned a dog or cat before, doc? Have you ever taken it to a medical, uh, a veterinarian before? Don't they treat it with heart guard for heartworm parasites? And then I would have asked that medical doctor right away. Uh, if you've owned a dog or cat and had them treated by a veterinarian for parasites, was your dog or cat born in America? Because if it was, that means parasites are in America. And then I would ask them, I would ask the patient. So we now know parasites are in America, obviously. There's no, this ridiculous, Scott, to think. There's an invisible force field around America. And when people travel from other countries and walk through the borders of America, there is like this laser parasite killer scan that you're walking through that prevents parasites from getting into America. This is so weird. It's the weirdest thing ever. So this is what I would say to them. Have you ever been to a veterinarian clinic and seen pamphlets on the wall? Yes. Have you ever seen the one that's titled in all the clinics of veterinarians everywhere? Have you seen the one titled Parasites in You? Have you seen that one? You should pull that off and open it. Every single Banfield Veterinarian Clinic in America has a, gra a little three-leaf pamphlet that it describes exactly how many parasites transfer from your pets to the owners, including heartworm parasites. The reason why we treat dogs and cats for heartworms is because they can transmit them to you. That's why we treat them, and they can transmit it to the other pets, and it leads to death and heart disease. But it's very odd to me that uh, this is just an example of programming that is absolutely fraudulent, fraudulent in my opinion. And they they want to restrict medical doctors' knowledge and awareness of what causes diseases because if they can do that, they're limited in their ability to treat. And that limitation will be to the only drugs they tell them to use for the rest of their life. If you never acknowledge parasites exist in America, you can create all kinds of autoimmune diseases by allowing people to just get sick and never teach medical doctors to test or look for parasites. And if you never look for it, the patient will forever be sick if you never treat it. However, Scott, you know what's amazing? The fact that medical doctors are unaware at all that parasites exist in America to cause diseases is insane to me. As insane as that sounds, do you know what the most common drug prescribed to arthritis patients is? Rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis, general arthritis, gouty arthritis, psoriatic arthritis. Do you know what the number one prescribed medication to all of them is that they tell them they have to live on for the rest of their life? No idea. It's hydroxychloroquine. Oh, unreal. And hydroxychloroquine is designed to treat what? Parasites. It's an anti-parasitic drug to kill the malaria parasite. That's what hydroxychloroquine is. 
they have a name for it. We talked about it here. You've heard of the drug remdesivir. Now people are like, oh my God, they're calling it Vecleri. It's actually the same drug, brand name, generic name. Hydroxychloroquine also has a generic name and a brand name. Hydroxychloroquine is the generic name that everyone's familiar with. Do you know what the brand name is for all autoimmune patients who are taking an anti-parasitic drug for their autoimmune disease and pain throughout their body? It's called Plaquenil. That's the brand name. And every person who has MS, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, uh, lupus, fibromyalgia, most of you are prescribed Plaquenil. You have no idea that you're seeing some benefit to your pain because they're treating you with an antiparasitic drug. And the medical doctors don't even know that's what they're doing. They were just told it has this side effect to reduce pain in people. So prescribe it. <laughs> no, that's not what it is. And the truth is, Scott, what the medical doctors don't know is that parasites, <clears throat> do you like this deprogramming of your audience, Scott? What people don't know is parasites, when a egg of a parasite is introduced into your body from air, water, food, or someone else, when you swallow the egg, it hatches in your intestines and then swims into your bloodstream and gets into your organs. If the parasite ends up in your pancreas, eating tissue of your pancreas, you will become a diabetic eventually. If it ends up in your brain, which they do, you get MS 100% of the time. 100% of all MS patients have roundworm parasites in their brain and in their spinal cord. But no neurologist is looking for that. It's so weird. But those are the lesions. It's burrowing holes in your brain. The Great Rocky Mountains Lab in 2016 confirmed 100% of MS patients have roundworm parasites in their brain. If you just spent three to six months killing parasites, you could reverse MS. But this is programming they receive. Don't look for parasites. You have no idea. So I want people to understand something. They're already treating you for parasites, unknowingly to you, if you have an autoimmune disease, most likely with hydroxychloroquine and Plaquenil which is the same drug, just with a fancier name and more expensive because it's a brand name. All right, so this is the key with parasites. The moment an autoimmune patient is put on a, a drug like hydroxychloroquine or Plaquenil, they're going to see immediate relief in their symptoms for about a week or two, and then the symptoms are going to come back. So if you're taking an antiparasitic every day for life, you would think all the parasites would die. That's not what happens. Parasites are brilliant. These are evolutionary creatures, man. They have learned how to evolve and use you and every living organism on the planet as a host for food. So when the worm hatches in your body, swims into one of your organs, let's say the spleen, if you get a parasite in your spleen, you're going to develop lupus and rosacea. That is the number one signs and symptoms of parasites in the spleen. But no dermatologist has ever told you that either. Rosacea is caused by parasites in your spleen. Go fix it. Kill it off. There's antiparasitic uh, herbs that'll kill it and remove it. The key with parasites is this. If you treat parasites, you have to do it cyclically, meaning you treat for a few days and then you don't, and then you treat for another few days and then you don't. Why is this important? And why do you have to do this? If you stay on hydroxychloroquine and Plaquenil every day of your life, you're never going to get free of parasites. Parasites living in the human body, the adults, every day are laying, listen to this, 100 to 250,000 eggs every day in your body as they eat off of you. So they lay these eggs every day, but they don't let the eggs hatch. And how they control this is the mother worms, the adult worms secrete an enzyme out of their body that tells the eggs they've laid all throughout your body not to hatch. If they all hatched at once, 
Now there's competition for food. So the adult worms are not going to let the eggs hatch. So they, you release this enzyme out of them that tells the eggs not to hatch. <laughs> now you start taking hydroxychloroquine or plaquenil or ivermectin. Guess what happens? You kill the worms. It doesn't touch the eggs. And if you stay on hydroxychloroquine and plaquenil every day, those are chemicals that signal to the eggs never to hatch. So they don't ever hatch. So you can't kill them. This is why parasitic detoxing protocols typically include you take herbs or minerals or drugs for five days on, kill the worms. Don't take it for five days. Let the eggs hatch. Go back in for another five days. Stop for five days. Go back in for another five days. Stop for five days. If you would cycle this way, your medications and your herbs, the probability that you would be pain-free, symptom-free for the rest of your life will occur in three months or less. But if no one ever teaches you that, the eggs will always stay in your body and the body knows those eggs are foreign. So the body creates antibodies, inflammatory markers to try to remove the eggs it can't get rid of. So uh, these are just things that uh, people have not been taught, trained. This is just an example of the deprogramming or programming and how we have to help deprogram people. God, that is it, that's just a fantastic example. I'm glad you took it full circle so people can connect the dots all the way because this <clears throat> the starting point with the programming that I have learned, of course, you already know this, but I've just been woken up is that they don't want us to get well because that stops the money train. All right, I want to switch gears for our last few minutes because, I, you know, of course, everybody wants to have an update, I'm sure, and I do too, uh, regarding the, the snake venom situation. So, you know, in the context of you unleashing this last April, and, it, you know, I remember it very well because you were you were literally the first person who had booked their flight to come to Grace's rally in April. Uh, and then you had to call and let me know you can't do it because you're unleashing this um, snake venom hypothesis to the world. And so I want to know what's happened in the past eight months regarding the original research. Um, what is, so I want to first understand that because I'm guessing there's been some credible and not so credible challenges. So what started out as a hypothesis may have already evolved to a theory in the scientific method. So can you just wrap your arms around that first? Then I have a couple of related questions. I would love to. Yes. So yes, back in April of uh, 2022, uh, and thank you for the invite to your daughter's memorial. I would have loved to attend that in the rally. Uh, that week before that my Watch the Water documentary with Stu Peters finally released, uh, I'd actually done four private filmings of an interview with Stu Peters, Mike Adams, and Vandersteel, and Scott McKay. I just chose those four people to do this with, and then I asked them all to blast it to the world all at once. Uh, that's what happened. Stu Peters released his first. The very next minute when Watch the Water documentary ends at its 50th minute, Mike Adams publishes his first of three chapters uh, this actually was a five-hour interview that ended up being a 48-minute documentary with Stu. All of the documents uh, for the five hours was actually compiled and shown in the Mike Adams three chapters interview. And I was able to show all the documents with Stu Peters too, but he was overwhelmed, I believe, with all the documents and then was so moved with the information that I provided that he knew this had to be made in some kind of 
bigger sense. So he hired people to come in and turn it into a documentary, which was extremely well done and has gone all over the world. It's been phenomenal. The week before that aired, but after I had already filmed the interview with Stu Peters, I'd filmed the interview, was flying home the next morning from Minnesota, and Zev Zelenko called me to tell me that uh, he'd been warned out of Washington, D.C., his security detail had received intelligence that uh, there was an assassination list published in Washington, D.C., and that I was number one on that hit list, and he wanted to know why, and he was number two. And that that was the next day. Uh, I, I know they know what I'm researching. I know they know what I'm working on, and it was very odd to watch the FDA and the NIH behave after my presentations live. I could actually show their websites, circle stuff on their pages, and within an hour, they would delete the sentences I highlighted with a laser pointer. That's how much they've been watching me. And so uh, it's been a very interesting experience. That's why I didn't come to the rallies, because I hired uh, special ops to come into my home to protect me for the next three months. The actual intel to Zev Zelenko was... I was number one on an assassination list by Big Pharma, and I had to be silenced along with him and one other individual within the next two and a half months. Uh, so I had special ops with me all the time, and it really was just a security issue. I just wanted to make sure that I was okay. And this happened to be the very first week after Watch the Water drop. So it was very up in the air what in the world was about to happen. So, uh, And I do want to bring people full circle. If you haven't been paying attention, I've probably done a, 800 interviews since April and all over the world. Uh, I mean, all over the world and, and still traveling every week all over the world. It was great to show up in Puerto Rico three weeks ago. And I was asked to be a keynote speaker with 10 other medical doctors. And this is not a joke, Scott. You kind of wonder how far did your interviews go and what kind of influence have you had? There's 10 medical doctors there and me, the lone retired chiropractor. They waited to introduce me last and uh, a a politician in the audience in this university, full auditorium, when they stand up to announce the final speaker, they didn't even say my name, the, the politician stands up and starts chanting for the audience to stand up, like yelling at everybody stand up and is chanting, watch the water, watch the water. The whole audience, auditorium is chanting this. And I'm like, holy crap, I guess it got around. So it was kind of a it's kind of an awesome experience to, to feel that and to know that my message has gotten around the world since being involved with so many individuals with audiences trying to articulate what I came across to know to be true of COVID. It has been a relentless effort every day, Scott Shera, to, oh, to make aware to the world and educate and show them the evidence that COVID-19 is nothing more than weaponized synthetic venom. It, that's all. They have been manufacturing venoms for decades. I've been showing this research relentlessly. COVID-19's spike proteins were identified in April of 2020 by French scientists. They isolated just the spike protein on the outside of SARS-CoV-2 virus, ran its gene sequence, and then put it into a DNA database to find out what is it identical to. It was identical to King Cobra venom and Chinese crate snake venom. That's what it was identical to. These little bitty sequences of venom called peptides. 
And then they said it also mimics almost identically three sections, little bitty sections of the rabies virus. Now, the fact that venom is the spike protein, the fact that the Salk Institute in 2021 said it's not the virus causing disease and death, it's just the spike protein. It causes death and harm and disease to 28 different tissues in the human body. That's what venom does. Only to find out later, some of the venoms that have been confirmed and found in COVID-19 patients, they're called cone snail venoms from a snail in the ocean about this big. I have since learned that the Salk Institute owns the original pioneering first ever patent to isolating and synthetically manufacturing cone snail venom peptides. And 15 different cone snail venom peptides are showing up in COVID-19 patients' blood and feces in Italy in June of 2020, two months after the French researchers confirmed the spike proteins are two venoms from king cobra venom and from crate snake venom. What's crazy is two months later, Italy researchers were like, um, I'm hearing reports from China and France that snakes may be the source of origin and venom might be the source. Why don't we test our Italy citizens in June of 2020? Let's test all of them that test positive for COVID PCR test. Let's take their blood and their feces samples and let's see if there's any venom in their body. When they actually took their tissues, blood, urine, and feces of 20 people who PCR tested positive for COVID from multiple cities in Italy and ran their blood, urine, and feces for venom, they didn't find two venoms. They found 36 different venoms in only the COVID-19 positive group. They found zero animal venom peptides inside of the negative COVID-19 group from the same cities. So they had people who were not positive for COVID. They didn't have any venom. Those that were positive for COVID, they all had venom. And the combination was 36 different venoms, including cone snail venom peptides from cone snails. Imagine my shock to find out that uh, they are doing research and have been since the 1940s. And I've been doing relentlessly interviews to show all of this. Since the 1940s, it has been proposed that animal venoms can protect human beings from viral infections. And they have relentlessly been investing billions of dollars worldwide, isolating venoms from, this is not a joke, from frogs' skin, you know, poison dart frogs, the venom that frogs produce, scorpion venoms, snake venoms, spider venoms, bee venoms, snail venoms in the ocean, and snake venoms. They believe all of these venoms and there are patents for all of them to be used as antiviral vaccines. This is not a joke. It is disgusting. I cannot believe they even want to propose that there's a poison on the planet found in snakes and animals that we're going to put inside of people that we know it kills, but we're going to give them reduced amounts and maybe it'll provide an immune benefit to help fight the common cold. This is what they say and flu. It's ridiculous. They have actually been able to withhold this information from most medical professionals for a long, long time until I came along. The people who made the COVID-19 shots, when I realized the truth, this is not a joke, to watch the water documentary was this. 
when I figured out that the origins of COVID were venom from two snakes, and then it was confirmed the spike proteins were venoms, and then this Italy researchers found 36 different venoms in COVID-19 patients, it confirms and explains every side effect of COVID. These venom peptides explain everything. Imagine my shock to early on learn that if the source origin of COVID was snakes, Scott, one of the first things I did was I looked up loss of taste and smell and snake bites. Imagine my shock to find out that the first research paper that pops up is on the NIH's website. That loss of taste and smell is a long-term side effect of envenomation, getting venom into a human after a snake bite. They say it can last for years, months to years, even after treating the, the snake bite. They all know the loss of taste and smell that all of us are running around going, oh my God, this has never happened before. What's wrong with me? I can't get my taste and smell. All of, they, all of them knew the whole time this is how people are going to react when we spread venom throughout the world. This is what's going to happen. Then imagine my shock. I was like, man, if they're using venom to cause people to get sick with COVID, what in the world are they using in the shots to address COVID? One of the craziest things I'd ever heard that I'd never heard before was there's this incredible medical doctor out of Canada who in the summer of 2021 said, a whole bunch of my patients after giving them the mRNA COVID shots are experiencing long-term exercise-induced asthma, lethargy. They can't catch their breath. They can't even walk upstairs without standing there to catch their breath. So he ran a test on all of them. And he said, there's one thing everybody in the world needs to look for with their injected COVID-19 patients, elevated D-dimers. And then he explained that elevated D-dimers mean there's blood clotting going on all throughout the body. And you need to go look for blood clotting. COVID-19 shots are causing blood clotting. Do an elevated D-dimer test. Scott, a year ago, I was like this. Um, if the origin sources for COVID are venom, uh, what's the likelihood that D-dimers have anything to do with venom? I mean, I have no idea. So I looked it up online. How are medical doctors trained to look for and what to look for if you see elevated D-dimers on a blood test? So I, I typed it in. You know, it's amazing. None of the medical doctors I talk to even know what that's for. They just know it tells you there's blood clots. If you go on medscape.com right now, there's an article from 2019 titled How to Interpret Elevated D-Dimers. I found this in December of last year, and this is what really started propelling me to dig into all the research for the next four months before I released Watch the Water. And by the time I released that interview, I had 1,500 documents confirming Every reason why everybody should be concerned that there's venom in the shots and why remdesivir might be freaking cobra venom. And I'm still not joking about that. And then why it is COVID-19 is absolutely every single side effect is venom peptides. And they're synthetically making these all over the world. This one article was one of those aha moments for me. <laughs> if you read Medscape.com, which is an online medical journal. It says, how are medical doctors to interpret elevated D-dimers? The first four bullet points, there's only five, there's only four. The first four bullet points say, you should look for a deep vein blood clot, deep vein thrombosis in the legs if you see elevated D-dimers. You should also, number two, look for micro blood clotting all inside the body, especially in your capillaries, like in your fingers and toes. Number three, you should look for a pulmonary embolism, a blood clot in your uh, lungs, or a, a cerebral blood clot that would cause a stroke. 
All it's describing is go look for this blood clot, this blood clot, this blood clot. The fifth bullet point. Do you know what it says? Medical doctors. When you see elevated D-dimers, it says look for snake venom poisoning. That is its exact quote. Snake venom poisoning. Now, when I saw that, my very next thought, Scott, was this. Who made these shots? So I went online to find out. Who created the COVID-19 mRNA shots? Imagine my shock to find out it's actually two scientists at the University of Pennsylvania, and their names are Cataline Carrico and Drew Wiseman. Scott, if you wanted to know what was causing so much harm and injury to all the people getting these shots, wouldn't you go look at the people who made them and maybe look at their research studies and their development of these things? Because that will tell you their recipe of what's in it. I typed in their names. This is what I got when I found out it was Drew Weissman and Kathleen Carrico at the University of Pennsylvania. My very next internet search was this. Drew Weissman and Kathleen Carrico and snake venom research. Why would I not do that? Elevated D-timers are showing up in 60% of mRNA injected patients. They say you should look for snake venom poisoning. Imagine my shock. Since 2009, Kathleen Carrico and Drew Wiseman have been funded by Anthony Fauci's department at the NIH. Every single study since 2009 was funded by the NIAID department of the NIH, Anthony Fauci's department. And in every single study, it says they're paid by the NIH to do mRNA gene therapy. Scott, when they explain their experiment to do mRNA gene editing therapy, It says what they use to cut RNA or DNA. And the word in the research studies is cleave. They say to cut the RNA or DNA, we use snake venom phosphodiesterase by name. Those three words are in every study. Snake venom phosphodiesterase and RNAs. Now, RNA, Scott, I didn't know this. I had to go look, learn about it. RNA is a component of snake venom. It even says in the research study, snake venom phosphodiesterase does a great job of cleaving RNA and DNA. But RNA is even better. Every study says that. These people are using venom to insert first, damage your DNA. Remember, they have to get past your cells, into your nucleus, and damage DNA. Poisons, toxins, and venoms kill living organisms you're made up of living cells so they have to get something to damage your cell membrane then get inside your cell and damage your nucleus to insert what they say is their mrna technology the instruction to make your cells make spike proteins scott the spike proteins are venom peptides if we can get the human body to make venom you will die eventually venom kills people it's dose dependent So if your cells are making venom over and over and over and over, a week or two after the shot, three weeks after the shot, a month after the shot, a year after the shot, depending on how healthy you are or unhealthy you are, you'll die faster if you're unhealthy. You'll die slower if you're healthy. It's just horrific what it is. So uh, to blindly turn an eye to snake venom is a grave disservice to all the people around the world who've been injured. Every single published side effect and reported side effect of the COVID-19 vaccines can be explained with venom peptides from snakes. 
You know what else is crazy, Scott? <clears throat> I have doctors around the world reporting to me that in their patients who have gotten the COVID shots, they are seeing in every patient blood markers that you only see when a patient has HIV and they're not HIV positive. But since the shots, that's what they have. Scott, I'm going to say it on this show right now before I actually start doing my own shows. This is for all of you. I'm going to help deprogram you. In 2017, there was a study done. It's titled Antiviral Properties of Animal Venom Peptides. The whole research paper from 2017 is explaining how it is they can use scorpion venom to actually treat HIV patients and SARS-CoV-1 patients, which is weird as heck because they already found in 2005 hydroxychloroquine beats SARS-CoV-1. Why are we looking in 2017 for scorpion venom to be a, a therapeutic? It's so disgusting. And then they talk about snake venom peptides being used as antiviral vaccines to control pandemics in 2017 in this article. In the article, it says cobra toxin, which was identified to be the spike protein on COVID, and bungarotoxin, also the other spike protein on SARS-CoV-2, they said these two snake venoms are homologous to the HIV-1 glycoprotein. Homologous at home. Do you know what the definition of homologous is? It says snake venom components are homologous to HIV-1 glycoprotein. Homologous means either identical to, similar to, but the science definition is it has the same evolutionary origin. Did you hear me? It states snake venom components have an evolutionary origin, same as HIV. That means the two of them are identical and come from the same source. Well, how can HIV come from snakes? I thought HIV came from monkeys. How are monkeys carrying snake venom components? Uh, th this is the great lie. What I learned later, here's some programming and deprogramming for you. Did you know, Scott, that the Latin historical definition for the word virus, and Latin is the primary word used by the medical profession for everything. Did you know that Latin's definition of the word virus means venom? I did not know that. The Latin historical definition of the word virus is toxic excretion or venom. That's exactly what it is. So when they say human, human, human immunodeficiency virus has similarities and identical and a possible evolutionarily similar origin to snake venom components, you now can see the narrative. They are actually putting it in plain sight. Viruses are actually venom peptides. This is not a joke. They're saying that in the research studies. And if you don't want to admit that might be true, they're saying they're identical. So you might as well treat viruses like they're venom because they state that's what they know. Now, if they're injecting people with instructions to manufacture spike proteins, which are cobra toxin and crate venom, if they're doing that, and then snake venom researchers are telling you that it's identical to HIV-1's glycoprotein, which is a spike protein on HIV, by the way, if that's what they're telling you, you should start treating everybody with HIV as if they have snake bites. 
and cure them. You have anti-venom therapy, go do it. And then the question then rests with how are they getting these viruses or venoms into people? They're doing it through the air. They're doing it through your water, primarily through your water, I believe. And uh, they're doing it through uh, vaccines, obviously, and medications. And what the world didn't know, Scott, it was odd. People right out of the gate, a lot of medical professionals were like, Dr. Artis is wrong about the venom because you can't swallow snake venom and get it past the gastric juices in your stomach. Your stomach acid's so strong, it would denature and kill venom. And then I'd go like this. That's really funny you would say that. (laughs) That's really funny you would say that. Have you prescribed the drug lisinopril in the last 40 years? It's a dry tablet for high blood pressure. 11 million people wake up every morning and swallow a white tablet of lisinopril. And I've asked them all, have you ever prescribed lisinopril for high blood pressure? Yes, in the last 40 years. It it actually went on the market in 1981. (laughs) They'd go, yes, I have. Do you know that lisinopril is made from snake venom? And it's just freeze-dried snake venom they're swallowing? How are they getting that past your gastric juices, buddy? You're telling them to swallow it every day. So this is this is a concept they've wanted medical doctors to believe. Yep, that you can't one. swallow snake venom. And at the same time, they're telling you and selling you a drug to your patients made from snake venom, telling them to swallow it. Isn't that funny? But none of the medical doctors knew, Scott, that lisinopril was made from snake venom until I told them. And then they went and looked it up and were like, oh, my God, inhibitors for the first time ever were isolated from a viper in Brazil? Yeah, a snake's venom in Brazil since 1981. Well, I just want you all to know it's very disgusting. Nobody should ever vaccinate a child ever again. I'm telling you right now, there's a guy named Paul F. Reed. In 1993 to 1996, he was paid by our government at Fort Detrick, Maryland, to do one thing and one thing only. He was paid. It's in his biography. He was paid by our government from 1993, 30 years ago, to 1996 to do one thing and one thing only. Isolate neurotoxins from snake venoms. Figure out how to culture and grow synthetic venom in bacteria and yeast systems in a lab. And then turn that venom into large-scale antiviral vaccine production. That's what he was paid to do. That guy, Paul F. Reed, in 2010 was awarded a patent for King Cobra venom to be used as a flu vaccine. We gave him the patent for cobra venom, cobra toxin, to be used as a vaccine for flu viruses. That's what we awarded him in 2010. A company called Nutrafarm has bought that company since he required that patent in 2010. Nutrafarm's stock, I just looked at it yesterday, its stock price went up a thousandfold in January of 2021. Wow. Guess what started getting pumped out in the world in 2021? You might want to start looking at Venom because all of the world's pharmaceutical companies are designing antiviral vaccines from Venoms. And they're isolating synthetically manufacturing Venoms all over the world. And they're going to try to convince medical doctors and hide the names of their snake venom and call it like Vecleria or remdesivir and just tell you it's a drug we found and isolated that works. Pump it into the veins of your loved ones. 
and that is absolutely fraudulent, deceptive, Luciferian, in my opinion, to actually use a poison as a therapeutic. Why would you do that? Hydroxychloroquine hasn't killed anybody in 80 years, and it cured all of SARS-CoV-1 in 2005, a study funded by Anthony Fauci. And now there's studies in 2017 where they're trying to figure out if scorpion venom can be a treatment to inject in people with SARS-CoV-1? Why, why are you even doing that? You already found the cure. It's cheap. It doesn't hurt anybody. Why are you trying to figure out how to make a poison a therapeutic? It doesn't make any sense to me. To me, it's just outright disgusting and evil. Wow. Never vaccinate your child ever again. And if you're not paying attention to the crap I'm telling you and you vaccinate your kids and they get injured, every injury that your loved ones have, I want you to look it up. Is this a side effect of venom? Holy crap. All of it. 100% of it. You're ignoring an opportunity to protect your loved ones from possible harm. I have never, ever, I'm not kidding. Scott, they, they've got research studies right now. They believe cold sores should be treated with scorpion venom because scorpion venom, they say, can treat and block the herpes simplex virus. Um, I don't know about you, but if I had a child with a fever blister, I don't think I'd put a scorpion on his face to sting him as a solution. I think I would use vitamin D, vitamin C, and zinc, and that would be all you would need. Why would you ever go looking for a poison? But this is pharmacia. Uh, pharmacia wow. is a cult, a cult of snakes, and they love venom. They love snakes. They believe snakes. Uh, I don't know if I'll know this, but Greek mythology was always in a belief system that snakes were immortal. This is why they use venom and why they love venom. And it's just something they've kept secret from the majority of lay people and then are pushing their drug dealers called medical doctors to inflict their harm and injury into the innocent. Thank you for that thorough update. That was fantastic. Uh, I am so thankful for your research. It's, it, uh, it really has opened up. Uh, it's opened up a nefarious agenda for me. And a, uh, yeah, I, when people hear this, I don't want them to have a spirit of fear. You know, that isn't how God designed us. We're responsible to get educated. And I hope what Dr. Artis has just gone through has done that for you today and helped deprogram you further. That's your responsibility. It's not to become fearful with this. Uh, God promises to protect his elect. And I have more confidence than I've ever had in in that character trait of God. So uh, I want to close with that. But Dr. Artis, I'd like to have you have the last word. And in the last word, if you can cover one or two points that you would recommend for people to protect their families. Yeah, this is great. So it's one thing to actually talk about the nefarious nature of such a massive institution and industry that so many of us have had blind faith in for years, unfortunately. But I want people to understand there is hope. So here's your hope. You ready? When you go into these research studies, you learn from the researchers and the manufacturers of the venoms that they provide for genetic research. <laughs> they actually disclose to the researchers what they can't mix with the venom because it detoxifies and denatures the venom. And then it can't do its job or hurt people or the mammals they're doing experiments on. There's four things. Actually, I'll name five things. There's five things they publish over and over and over that they know denatures and detoxifies venom even in the body and that is glutathione n-acetylcysteine vitamin c edta 
hydrogen peroxide. This is not a joke. Those five things. So these are all supplements. They're also natural substances, vitamin C, NAC, N-acetylcysteine, glutathione, EDTA, and hydrogen peroxide. There is another one that's very specific. And the reason why I harp on this is crate snake venom was identified to be the actual origin source originally of COVID by Chinese scientists. There has been tons of research on this super deadly venomous snake venom called the crate snake. There is research by, of an herbal extract from a plant that has been shown to inhibit the toxic effects of that venom in a human. And it's been known for decades. It's called Macuna prurines, M-U-C-U-N-A prurines, P-R-U-R-E-I-N-E-S. It's also called the velvet bean plant, but you will usually see the name for sale of the extract liquid of Macuna prurines. Now, this is not a joke. Every single venom that they're using, orchestrating it as COVID, every venom being used and isolated as a cure for an antiviral vaccine, uh, all of them, every single venom component targets one receptor in the human body to cause disease and death, even in the heart of Damar Hamlin, possibly. And that is the alpha-7 nicotinic acetylcholine receptors. There's only one perfect protector of those receptors that keeps venom from binding to them or makes the body let go of the venom. And that is nicotine. And just so the world knows, you've all been lied to about nicotine. Nicotine actually is not addictive. I didn't know this, but Harvard proved it in 2005. But they want you to think it is. Every Paxlovid commercial I see, they actually state. Uh, smokers are higher at risk for COVID. No, they're not. That's a flat out lie. This is a part of the programming. They want you convinced smoking is killing people and is making you higher risk for COVID. That has never been true. Less than 2% worldwide of smokers ever ended up hospitalized with COVID. It's the lowest demographic of all people. Nicotine had a byproduct of protection against the venoms called COVID and the venoms in the shots. So it's unfortunate, but there's ways of getting nicotine into the body from the tobacco plant that God created. I didn't create it. God created the tobacco Maybe one day you can ask God, your maker, why he made your brain, heart, kidneys, intestines, testes, and ovaries. Why is it he made all those organs slathered and completely covered with nicotine receptors? My guess was it was for just such a time as this. So nicotine was always the antidote. It's still the antidote to block venom from getting to the receptors. You use glutathione, NAC, vitamin C, EDTA, macuna purines, hydrogen peroxide to denature the venom that's now free floating in the body. Venom of any creature after treatment of an injury. If you got bit, for example, by a scorpion, spider, or snake, the venom can actually live persistent in your body for up to 10 years. So you have to detoxify it or denature it. I just gave you the list of the things that do that. You can use nicotine or ivermectin to get the venom off. Ivermectin is very similar to nicotine, but nicotine is better. Nicotine, ivermectin to get the venom off those receptors. That's why it worked. Ivermectin binds to nicotine receptors. And then the body lets go of venom. And then you can use vitamin C, NAC, hydrogen peroxide, EDTA, um, glutathione, hydrogen peroxide to denature or detoxify the venom. That's what God gave us. Those are some of the natural things God put on the earth to protect us. I don't even know if y'all know this. Did you know that your body makes hydrogen peroxide whenever you get a viral infection? 
I've known that for years, but now it explains if viruses really are venoms, why it is they know hydrogen peroxide denatures and detoxifies venoms. They already know it. It's published. In fact, in every patent for an antiviral vaccine made from venom, it says they detoxify the venom by mixing it in a little bit of hydrogen peroxide. Really? Interesting. All right. Wow. Anyway, I love you all. Our goal is always to provide hope but you should know what the weapon is and how to avoid it for the future. Everyone should know they are looking to manufacture large scale, all vaccines with venom in them as antiviral vaccines. Every childhood vaccine is a viral vaccine, polio virus, hepatitis B virus, mumps, rubella, measles, you name it. They're all viruses. They are manufacturing vaccines from venom. Do not let a human being inject your baby with venom. It's no different than the doctor going, hey, just throw this rattlesnake in the crib with your newborn. It'll protect it from polio. What? That's insane. Just because they put it in a syringe and inject it inside of your baby doesn't make it better. It's still dangerous and toxic. So please avoid all vaccines in the future. And if anybody ever says it tries to convince you you need to get the vaccine, look at them in the face and say, I'll consider the vaccine as soon as you have that vaccine tested for animal venoms and then come back and tell me what you find. And if it's clean and devoid of those things, maybe I'll consider it. That's what I would do from here forevermore. Wow. Thanks for, thanks for coming on today. Dr. Artis is fantastic. You are, you're quite a gift. I appreciate you very much. You're very welcome. And God bless you. God bless your family. And I hope you have a great new year. Further details, we return you now to your regularly scheduled program.